Hello everyone, welcome to FinHub, the Canadian Founders Podcast, where we do a deep dive with founders of today's leading fintechs. My name is Priyanka Vashish, I am your co-host and a first-year MBA student at Rotman School of Management. In this episode, I had the pleasure to talk to Laura McKay. Laura is the co-founder of PolicyMe, Canada's insurtech platform that provides customers with affordable and quick access to insurance policies. Over the years, she's worked as a management consultant at Oliver Wyman and has had extensive experience within the insurance products industry as well. Laura's work at the World Economic Forum led her to launch a program that involved partnerships between multiple industry stakeholders as well. And she continues to work towards making insurance more affordable for individuals in Canada. In this episode, we talked about PolicyB's business model, growth, and the involving insurance industry in Canada. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Laura. Welcome to our show. So excited to have you here and thanks for coming on board. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. To begin with, Laura, you've had extensive experience within the insurance industry and consulting as well. We'd love to learn a little bit more about your career journey so far. Yeah, my uh, my journey has been pretty interesting. I never expect to be where I am today, uh, but kind of was able to take the yes to a lot of opportunities that came my way along the journey, um, things that I never expected to do and, and kind of ended up here. I started uh, in kind of the life insurance space, I would say, back in undergrad. So I studied actuarial science. Uh, at the University of Waterloo. Um, so that's the study of risk. One of the most practical examples of actuarial sciences with, or kind of applications of actuarial sciences within the life insurance industry. So I did a couple internships at Canadian insurers, right. but ultimately found that that was a little too narrow for me to start off with. So along the way, I discovered management consulting literally through an interview process. <laughs> I, um, if anyone's familiar with the Waterloo Co-op journey, you kind of have access to a lot of different companies. And at some point you're just kind of picking and choosing ones that sound interesting and management consultant, um, brought me in with a fairly enticing job description that involved traveling and working a bunch of different industries and particularly working in New York. Uh, so I was able, I was lucky enough to get selected to do an internship in New York at Oliver Wyman, loved it, uh, ended up staying there and, and joining full time uh, and spent a number of years there also working in the insurance industry, but mm-hmm. along the way was given the opportunity to do a year secondment at the World Economic Forum. At that point, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. I, I wondered if I wanted to go into maybe public policy, uh, spent a year there, had a really interesting time, but decided ultimately public policy was not for me uh, and came back to the insurance industry. And that's where I met my co-founder, my now co-founder, where we uh, spent some time working for some insurance clients, uh, understood that they have some big challenges, but working with them to solve those challenges felt like a very long road. Obviously, big corporations move a lot slower than startups are pretty risk averse to new uh, ideas and, and, and want things fully vetted before they're willing to kind of get started on something like that. Uh, and so we kind of spoke and over a lot of conversation decided kind of the way 
to solve some of these problems was actually start our own company. And that's when I came back to Canada in 2018 uh, to start Policy Nation. What attracted you to this industry and, and what motivated you to work in this space? We always we always joked in management consulting that it was for the it was the place for people who weren't sure what they wanted to do yet because it, it allowed you to postpone that decision by working on a lot of different projects and in different industries uh, and spending some time trying to figure it out before you made a commitment. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I can I can understand that. Um, throughout your journey, like what were some some of the key challenges that you faced you know while working within either insurance or just generally in figuring out where you actually wanted to end up yeah that's an interesting one i i wouldn't say challenges i'm i'm someone who is very eager to say yes to any opportunities that come my way i'm kind of like the yes and ver- mm-hmm. person uh so i i i found myself kind of being exposed to a lot of different doors and always going through them and and discovering if they were right for me. One thing I learned, especially when leaving Oliver Wyman, it felt like a really big decision at the time. And I've spoken to a lot of other people who are considering leaving consulting or another industry to join tech. Um, And it always feels like you can't go back (laughs) as if like this is you're closing the door behind you after you make a choice. And the truth that I've learned over time, watching other people's careers pass and also experiencing my own kind of relationships with some of my ex-employers and things like that, is that those doors are never closed. Um, you should always take the the step, try it out. And if it's not right for you, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's an opportunity to go back. So uh, so that, that's not necessarily a challenge, but I think that probably was something that uh, I, I spent a lot of nights thinking about. It's like, is this the right decision? Um, uh, anytime mm-hmm. a new opportunity came and the truth was, I, I was always better for taking that opportunity, um, knowing that if yeah. it was the wrong opportunity, at least I learned something along the way <laughs> and it could always go back. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it's it's a learning curve always, right? And then everything, I guess, happens for a reason as well. <laughs> and that's what led yeah. you to insurance and life insurance and starting your own company. So that's amazing. Um, so kind of pivoting into just Policy Me, uh, you founded Policy Me, which provides di- digital life insurance uh, products and services to customers in Canada. How would you describe in detail what your company does? Yeah, so at Policy Me, um, we have a vision to be there for every family when life unexpectedly changes. And by making life insurance easy and affordable, we're able to hit on that vision. Um, we've really focused on, on making it easier and more affordable, as I said, for every family in Canada who needs it to get insurance um, so they don't have to get into a situation where they can no longer cover their lifestyle needs. Um, and, and in doing so, we kind of took a process that can take six weeks uh, and made it into something that's much more user-friendly and can only take 20 minutes, um, specifically mm-hmm. without the pressure of a sale agent on your back. Um, so it's completely online. We focus on educating our customers and supporting them in the process, but not pushing them into the sale. So yeah, we've um, really fell in love with like kind of our customer journey and are constantly thinking about how to make it easier uh, for our customers to get the insurance that they need. 
Yeah, uh, that's interesting that you talked about, like, you know, kind of not pushing them for the sales, but also at the same time, providing them with the information and educating them about the needs for, uh, you know, life insurance policies. How do you balance that out? I'm really interested to know, just as you grow as a company and you want to grow your sales as well, how do you balance those two things out? Yeah, so we have a a suite of licensed advisors in-house that are available for anyone who wants to speak to them, but we don't do outbound calls. We allow, we make ourselves available for customers when they have questions. Um, We don't force a sale in any set amount of time. People have up to 90 days to make a decision if they want the insurance or not. Um, Our entire process has been focused on on really supporting the customer through education, um, and, but not necessarily pushing pushing them into the, the sale as is kind of common in the traditional industry. The other thing we, mm-hmm. we definitely is a key pillar of ours is making life insurance affordable. So for most age groups, we're the most affordable policy in Canada. Um, and we know that's so important to families, uh, specifically ones that are young parents who have a lot of financial responsibilities, sometimes a lot of debt, um, and, and just can't afford for very expensive life insurance policies. So our average policy is probably about 25 to $30 a month. And that's another way we mm-hmm. make the decision a little easier for families by not trying to overwhelm them with some with a purchase that could significantly impact kind of their uh, financial uh, their financial responsibilities every month. Definitely. Um, since your inception in 2018, you managed to raise over eight million dollars in funding from strategic investors like Serious Point. What has been one of the key factors, in your opinion, for the company's success? Yeah. So it probably changes at every stage of the company um when you're young when you're really early before product market fit uh your investors are really kind of investing in the founding team and their ability to transform a big marketplace and i think what helped us at that stage is kind of our expertise and experience in the insurance industry So that came with a lot of knowledge, but it also came with a lot of contacts from our uh, consulting days. So um, we were able to kind of Mm -hmm. secure some key partnerships early on um, with a big carrier and a big reinsurance company in Canada that allowed us to develop uh, our our kind of our own exclusive product with them to suit our channel. And I think that was definitely something that the investors were we're excited about um, and and kind of yeah. kind of gave a little bit of guidance that this could be a, a, a big success. Uh, later on, certainly uh, you got to focus on on delivering metrics that matter and that's gross uh, earnings, kind of acquisition costs. All of those things have been a big focus from us. For us, I think our backgrounds um, are all analytical which has helped and and made some of this Mm -hmm. uh, focus on some of these metrics very intuitive to us and something that kind of we started from the very beginning of our journey, thinking about the business model of the company and making sure that uh, the kind of the the economics of our process, our product and our our business model made complete sense. And I think that's also helped us uh, going forward with our investors. 
And so you had investors like Serious Point, which is a reinsurer and insurer as well. And you just touched upon that as well. How do you see that collaboration in, you know, supporting you in your future expansions? Uh, has that happened yet? Is that something that is happening in the process of happening? Yeah. So funny enough, that's not actually our latest funding round. We have had a funding round that hasn't been announced yet. Um, similarly with uh, uh, kind of industry partners. Um, and I think, yeah, there certainly have been super involved with our growth and have been very uh passionate about what we're doing and willing to kind of open doors for us along the way. So I think there's a lot of collaboration there. If you're willing to uh, lean on your investors to help give you guidance, but also open up their network to you, um, there's a lot of opportunity there to grow together. Pivoting into the industry aspect of it, you know, the integration of technology in the insurance industry is leading to a lot of innovation within companies and supporting them in meeting the needs of modern customers. Um, this has led to the rapid rise of InsurTech, as we've seen in Canada. Mm -hmm. So could you explain to our listeners a bit of what InsurTech is and how it's transforming the insurance company operations? So I believe InsurTech is simply the practice of bringing technology and innovation into the insurance industry and its traditional business model. Um, so it's pretty simple and it, it spans a lot of different use cases. Insurance is an incredibly old industry. Um, I think it traces back well into the 1600s. Uh, and and has been as by nature like a pretty conservative industry so a little slower to adopt mm -hmm. technology than maybe some of its counterparts in the financial services industry um so yeah. lots of lots of opportunity here uh i think there's been an incredible number of companies across the world that are bringing innovation and technology into this space. Uh, and what I'm seeing is a lot of insurance companies also welcoming it and really opening up to partnering with these companies to think about how um, they can work together to bring more uh, technology into their operations. Um, so yeah, it could be across distribution, which you've seen with a lot of data uh, insure tech operations, underwriting, claims, all of these are being tackled in a lot of different forms across the industry. Um, and I think they're all leading to a much better customer experience, as well as more efficiency for the industry, um, which has relied on a lot of like manual process that can be uh, pretty intense and laborsome to, to complete. Yeah, so interestingly, um, I see that there's a lot of different aspects that are being tackled right now within the industry, right? Do you see that any uh, particular focus on, on an area right now that's happening, like say automation or just making insurance, in particular life insurance, more affordable? Is there a particular focus area that you've seen currently as a growing trend? Yeah, I think distribution is something that's a big problem for the industry, to be honest. Um, the truth is that the current distribution force is like literally aging uh, in, in life insurance in particular. The average insurance advisor is well over 60 years old. So they just don't have 
a ripe kind of batch of new advisors who are joining these companies. And frankly, I don't think they have the employer value proposition to like attract young people into these companies, especially in these sales roles. So it's something that they're really interested to hear from uh, InsureTechs about the ways they think they can tackle these problems. The first set of ways that companies started to tackle this was a direct-to-consumer model, but obviously uh, that with the cost of acquisition and the cost of marketing getting rising has become a little more fraught in, in, in recent days. So I think there's there's a lot of opportunity to embed, uh, to uh, innovate in the space. And one of the most interesting places is in embedded insurance. So bringing life insurance or other forms of insurance into already existing um, digital mm -hmm. journeys that exist online and allowing a customer to kind of through that process that they're already going through, top up their insurance coverage or add insurance coverage at the same moment. Um, so you're relying on bringing a new customer in through like paid acquisition channels. So I think that one's really interesting. I'm really excited to see kind of where we go with that. Um, and Policy Me is working on that in a few different ways. I think the other place uh, that is probably being tackled on quite a bit is risk selection or underwriting. I think it's almost ripe for disruption. In life insurance in particular, we're still relying on really traditional ways to collect data. Um, and that's particularly when you like see blood and urine tests and <laughs> medical reports, very time, um, time intensive kind of methods to collect data to get a risk profile for your clients. So really excited to see some of the new innovations that are coming in that space as well. So you talked about like data and just like digitization of the process as well. And we're seeing like, you know, uh, technologies like AI, Internet of Things, and blockchain that are kind of disrupting, you know, the traditional practices. How do you see these kind of technologies being adopted by companies like this, specifically within life insurance? The truth is slower than probably most people would like. The, the tricky part about life insurance in particular is you need experience studies to get comfortable with the risk models and those just take a very long time to, to verify, right? So um, if you think of life insurance in particular, these are very long dated liabilities. You may not find out if you made a poor risk selection decision for years, um, if not decades sometimes. So it's tricky and you gotta be careful about what how you adopt these new um, data sets into your models. Um, that's not saying it's impossible. It's just uh, it probably why it's going a little bit slower than people would expect it to go. I do think there's a, little, a lot of talk about fitness data and how that can be incorporated into risk selection. Obviously, that data is becoming more and more available through, like, you know, the watches and Fitbit and things like that. And I do think there's interesting ways where you could use that data to build a better sense of someone's risk profile um, and ideally kind of substitute some of these time intensive data collection exercises that they've relied on previously. Right. Uh, and then Additionally, I would see uh, more digital medical records, uh, not something that are readily available in Canada today, but something that um, 
exists more in the U.S. market, uh, becoming more and more impactful and uh, and digitized into these insurance models, uh, which I think is going to bring in a much quicker time to decision than than we've seen. In have the past. you seen these kind of? Have you seen any practical uses of these within like companies? Has that been something that you have considered as well in terms of just like using this kind of data? to provide, you know, your in, within your products and services? Yeah, we've been talking about it for a while. Um, we actually, the underwriting philosophy is typically something that's owned by the insurance carrier. Um, and obviously it's a shared partnership with the insure tech, but um, specifically this is like the bread and butter of insurance companies and something they've been focused on for right. a long time. So there's definitely uh, ways that we work with them to do some sampling, um, specific sampling to see if, we can, on smaller populations, test out new types of rules um, that to improve the speed of underwriting. Uh, so we right. do a little bit of it, um, nothing uh, that is n n not particularly bringing in fitness data at this moment. Um, uh, that's not something we're working on. Kind of going forward, how do you see, you know, policy me growing and what do you see as the biggest challenges for your company? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm really excited about what we've got going on here. I see us launching a few big products next year, which allow us to enter some new markets that we haven't been in, in Canada, um, in the embedded insurance space. So something we've been thinking about for almost, I would say, six to nine months now, I've been thinking about um, moving into the employer space and the mortgage space. So um, we've got those kind of initiatives on the move and something I see us launching hopefully next year. Uh, I would say our current challenge, and it's probably the same for most startups right now, is navigating the current volatility in tech markets and the funding risks that come with us with that. Um, Luckily, we, we did raise money uh, early this year, which gives us a long runway to withstand some of the current volatility, although it's still top of mind for most startups these days is kind of what, what does 2023 look like and maybe even what does 2024 look like when it comes to raising capital and what does that mean for our business. So a big pivot um, for a lot of companies towards thinking a lot more about uh, profitability versus uh, growth at all costs. Um, so that's clearly some of the discussions that are happening within policy me at the moment as well. Yeah, I mean, with the volatility going on right now, and you know, just your focus on growth, um, there can be so many challenges that you face as an entrepreneur. And, you know, as just someone who's running the business, what would your one piece of advice for, be for someone who is in your position or starting their own company, what would you give them as one piece of advice? Just start rolling up your sleeves and get speaking to customers and trying to start selling things. There's nothing like getting your first revenue through the door. And the longer you delay that by trying to perfect a product offering, um, the longer it's going to take you to start learning from real customers. So um, move quickly. I know, I know that's very common advice, but it really, it really resonated with us, especially in a management consulting background where we did spend a lot of time kind of like perfecting slides and decks and presentations and uh, implementation plans for clients and uh, 
it you really involves like a completely different mindset where you got to throw throw the slides out the door stop thinking about 12 months from now and just try and get your first dollar in <laughs> um it's it's harder than it looks in some ways but once you get started the ideas are plentiful for sure once you start talking to customers um you're gonna your business is gonna turn in ways that you would have never expected but always for the better yeah that's really good advice i think uh, being it keeps you on your toes right when you're starting a company and trying to get the first few customers on board you have to just be on top of it and just keep moving yeah so my last question yeah. for you before you leave us uh, based on our current trends where do you see the canadian life insurance ecosystem heading in the future yeah, I think um, distribution is really going to change. It's hard to get exact stats out there, but really, um, you know, uh, it's it's largely seen that a large majority of life insurance policies are still being sold through the traditional sales channels, which is just everyday life insurance advisors selling the policies. I think this is, a, you know, it's it's just true that there's less and less advisors out there. It's becoming harder and harder to recruit advisors um, to sell your life insurance policy. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited to see how distribution changes. I do like the idea of some of the embedded insurance um, options that are coming out as a part of this, including the ones that we've been thinking about. Um, I'm really excited to see how that, that changes in the next five, 10 years. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. I've learned so much just speaking to you um, and being new to this industry. So thank you so much for taking out the time and we look forward to seeing what Policy Me does next. Great, I can't wait. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm always, my door's always open if anyone wants to talk. Amazing, thank you, bye. Thank you for tuning in to the FinHub podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn to get the latest updates and information about the topics covered during our episodes. Don't forget to head over to your favorite podcast platform to subscribe to our channel. Until next time.